0: So we are continuing through uh, the book of Jonah, and uh, Luke's going to be talking through Jonah chapter four. So if you uh, if you want to get your Bibles open or phones, whatever you use, I'm sure it'll also appear on the screen. Uh, and it's entitled Jonah's anger at the Lord's compassion, Jonah chapter four. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry he prayed to the Lord isn't this what I said Lord when I was still at home that is what I tried to um, forestall by fleeing to Tarshish I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger and abounding in love a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head, to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tow their right-hand from their left, and also many animals. Amen. Luke, do you want to come up? I'll pray for you. Lord, we thank you for uh, your word. We thank you for our reading this morning and uh, pray for Luke as he shares with us what you have put on his heart. Lord, may we have our hearts and our ears open as we listen to you this morning. In your name, Amen. Amen. Thank, Thank you, Lord, Luke.
1: Mark. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. And welcome to those who are watching online as well. We are so pleased you're able to tune in. We've had quite a morning here, as Mark has kind of alluded to. I turned up this morning and there was a beep on the fire alarm going off on the kind of control panel this morning. I've got a whole routine when it comes to a Sunday morning. I like to get here early. I like to shut myself in my office. I like to go over my notes. I like to preach the sermon to myself and I like to spend some time in prayer. But this morning, God had other ideas and the fire brigade turned up in a fire, in a, in a fire engine are about four or five firemen who are here as well. So I'll be honest, what's gonna come out of my mouth this morning is gonna be much as a surprise to me as it is to you today. So I'm gonna pray again and just ask the Holy Spirit to use uh, the meager offerings that we've had this morning as we come round to this word. I believe God's got a powerful message for each and every one of us today, and a message which is really in season for where we have been uh, individually, as a church, as a country, over the course of the last two years. So let's just let's just come before the Lord in prayer once more. Father God, we want to thank you and praise you that you are a good and awesome God. We thank you, Lord God, that you have a message that you want us to hear today. Lord, And I, my prayer is simply this, you'll give us all ears to hear today. Holy Spirit, will you speak to us individually? Will you speak to us as a church community? Will you speak to us as a wider community, those who are uh, not here in the building today? And Holy Spirit, will you do what only you can do? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all love a good story don't we? We all love to get engrossed in a tale. Uh, We all love to read books and go to the cinema. And there are so many reasons why that is the case, isn't there? We love that just moment where we can escape from our reality, escape from everything which is going on in our lives and get lost in another reality and lost in another story. And have you noticed that most stories that we interact with and that we come across really have the same sort of plot line running through them we're drawn into a story by suspense and uncertainty we're captured with the action which goes on and then we are left satisfied at the end of a story when everything turns out all right and there is a happily ever after as we wrap up our time together today in the book of jonah we finish a story which really doesn't have the traditional kind of plot structure that we are all accustomed to and we all like. Had the story of Jonah finished at Jonah chapter 3, we would have all left satisfied and it would have all been great. Jonah, after initially running away from God and going in the opposite direction and not engaging in the plans and purposes of God, gets swallowed up by this big fish after getting on a boat and ending up overboard Because of a storm. He ends up in this fish and he's alive and he's spat out onto dry ground and then he goes to Nineveh and does what he was always meant to do. He preaches a sermon which could at best be described as somewhat on the short side. He simply says 40 days and Nineveh will be overturned but then the city repents. That's a great place to stop the story. That's a great place to stop the narrative. Everyone will leave happy if that is the end. But suddenly this fourth chapter appears and it doesn't fit the traditional narrative structure. Chapter four begins with an angry Jonah. And actually, when we look at it, It doesn't really have an ending to it either. But what I believe God wants to speak to us today in Jonah chapter 4 is probably the most important lesson of them all. It's a passage which really reveals to us the heart of Jonah. It's a passage which once again shows us something of the sheer grace and the mercy and the love of God. And it's a passage which challenges each and every one of us to our core because what it reveals to us is that in some ways we're all like Jonah. Our passage starts with this angry man, Jonah, really, really angry. He is livid. After preaching his eight-word sermon, we see in verse 5 that he goes outside the city and he sets up camp outside the city. Now, at first glance, to me, this seems a little bit crazy. If it were me, and I had just preached a sermon which saw a whole city repent and turn to God, I would have wanted to stick around in that city for a while. One of the joys of being a preacher is to see what God does after I preach a message. Often what I've got to say is not particularly profound and it's not particularly um, new to a lot of people, particularly those who have studied the Bible maybe their entire lives, but often God will use the meagre offerings that I bring to him and do something in the hearts and lives of those who listen. And that, as a preacher, fills me with joy. So to see a whole city repent, to see a whole city turn from their wicked ways... And turn to God, if it were me, I would have been about in that city for weeks. I would have been walking around and just gazing on what God is doing. And if you're going to leave, if you decide you've had enough and you want to go away, why set up camp outside the city? Why not simply go home? You didn't want to do the task in the first place. Why are you sticking around? I think that Jonah left The city that day because he wanted to find the optimum spot to watch what he thought was going to be the destruction of the city. Just like on a firework night here in Plymouth, you ask different people where they go to watch the firework championships, everyone's got an opinion on the best spot to go to to watch the fireworks. Jonah wanted to get outside the city, find the optimum spot, and watch God rain down. His destruction. He delivered his message, he'd done what he was called to do, now he wanted to watch the city burn. But things don't go the way that Jonah had hoped them to go because this group of people, about 120,000 of them, in fact, do repent. They do turn to God and the city is spared from being overthrown. So it angers Jonah. And He lets his frustrations be known to God in no uncertain terms. This is what he says. Lord, isn't this what I said would happen, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life for it is better for me to die than to live. This morning I want us to spend a little bit of time together focusing on this idea of anger. Let's face it there's been a lot of anger flying about in the last couple of years in society in general hasn't there? Whether that's anger towards the government, anger because of Brexit decisions, anger over COVID, anger over mask wearing, anger over non-mask wearing, anger over restrictions, anger at church. We have probably all experienced anger in some way, shape or form over the course of the last two years. And it's worth pointing out at the start, actually, that not all anger is a sin. There is a type of anger which actually the Bible approves of. It's a type of anger which is often referred to as righteous indignation. It's the type of anger which actually leads to positive action. We get angry about climate change and how it affects the poorest of the poor and those who are most marginalized. So we make a positive change in our own life to help restrict the effects of climate change. We get angry at the injustice and the mistreatment of those who are on the poverty line and those who are struggling to put food on their tables. So we do something about food poverty here in this city. That kind of anger is a positive kind of anger. And we see in the Bible that God himself gets angry. Psalm 7 verse 11 says God is a righteous judge, a God who displays his wrath every day. We see that Jesus gets angry. Mark chapter 3 and verse 5 says that Jesus got angry, and we see it in these words, and he looked around at them with anger, grieved at the hardness of their hearts, and he said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored. You know the story, I am sure. We also see in the life of Jesus how he overturned tables in the temple when he got angry at what was going on in that place. And it says in scripture, then it is okay for you and me to be angry too. We read these words in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. It says this, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anger in its right and proper place is a positive thing because it means that we end up making changes in our lives and society which always should have happened. But here's the thing anger has a sinful side to it too. It has a side which damages situations, it has a side which damages circumstances it has a side which leaves us captive to things that God wanted to get rid of from our lives for so long and wanted us to be free from. So what do we learn then from anger from Jonah chapter 4? And how do we see God respond in the midst of these emotions? Well the first thing that I want us to pick up from this particular passage as we open it up together today is simply this, that actually anger in the life of Jonah causes him to miss out on the grace that God has for the lives of others. Jonah is vehemently angry. He's angry because he looks at this group of people that he sees in front of him and he thinks, they don't deserve the grace and the mercy of God. He looks at them and thinks, actually... These people deserve to burn. And we can look at Jonah, can't we? And we can think, well, Jonah, you're being a little bit self-righteous here, aren't you? Do you not remember what happened in the previous chapters of this book? Do you not remember how you turned from God and you ran in the opposite direction and didn't want anything to do with what God was getting up to? But, you know, I think it's more than that here in this particular reaction from Jonah. I think Jonah looks at this group of people and he thinks to himself, well, there are sinners in this world and then there are sinners in this world. He effectively does what I guess we all do at times when we think about the concept of sin. He he looks at himself and he thinks to himself, well, I may not be perfect, but I haven't done what these guys have done. I've made mistakes, I've messed up, but I have never, ever done these things kinds of things. You can let me off my issues, God, but them, they don't deserve your mercy. In some ways, it reminds me a little bit of the response that the older brother gives in the story of the prodigal son. I'm sure you know the story. A father had two sons, and one of his sons turned around to his father one day and says, Dad, you're effectively dead to me. I don't want anything more to do with you. Give me my inheritance so I can go off and live my life in the way that I always wanted to live it, it broke his father's heart, but that's what he does. He gives him his inheritance, and the son goes off and he starts living it up with these kind of wild parties all over the place. That is until the money runs out. And when the money runs out, his friends run out too. The man finds himself doing a job that he never would have wanted to do in a million years, feeding pigs. He was hungry, he was tired, he was cold, he had nothing. And he's there one day and he comes to his senses and he thinks to himself, even the servants in my father's house have more than what I have. So he makes a decision to go home. And I'm sure you know the rest of the story. The son does go home. The father is overjoyed. He's delighted that his son has returned. He throws this party, he kills the fattest cow. And he says, my son was dead and now he is alive. But there's a problem. Because there's another person in this story, the older brother, who kicks up an absolute stink when his brother is welcomed back. He says, Dad, all this time I've been with you, all this time I've been right here and you've never thrown me a party. You've never killed even a thin cow for me and here you are killing the fattest cow and throwing the biggest party for a son who treated you so badly. You know, the problem with unchecked anger is that it can become like a cancer within us, which simply won't let us go. And the problem is, sometimes we don't want mercy to be shown to certain people because we don't feel they deserve it, especially when that mercy comes from God. Our natural tendency is to be quick to anger. The God that we worship, the God that we serve, his natural position is to be slow to anger and abounding in love. And you know what? The heart of the Christian is not a place for God's vengeance and for God's anger. God is a just God. The Bible tells us that justice delayed is not justice denied. God will bring about justice in his time and in his way. The Bible tells us that vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So the challenge for all of us is that over this time, where things have been so rocky in society in general, have at times we allowed our heart to become bitter and our heart to become angry? Has there been times where God is saying to you, I want you to lavish my love upon someone where you just feel so resentful towards? When that's the case, the temptation is always to do what Jonah did and go in the opposite direction and say, no, God, they don't deserve your mercy. They don't deserve my mercy. I am not. Going to do this. But the call of God today is not to fight it. The call of God today is to show the grace that God wants to lavish on them. Because if we don't, it ultimately holds on to us. And that brings me to my second point this morning. Our anger at times can cause us to miss God's grace in our own lives. We see these words written in verses 5 to 9 Jonah had gone out and sat down in the east of the city. There he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and he waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy with the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. As Jonah goes outside the city to find the best seat for what he believes is going to be the destruction of the city and that he can watch these events unfold in front of his eyes, God gives him a bit of an object lesson, doesn't he? And just like the storm And the big fish he uses nature to teach Jonah a really really important lesson at this point and to show Jonah something of his grace and mercy once again I find it amazing that in the middle of Jonah's frustration in the middle of his temper tantrum in the middle of being totally and utterly unreasonable God provides for Jonah He provides this vine to grow up and to shelter him. Isn't that amazing? That in the moment where Jonah least deserved the grace of God, God still lavishes his grace upon Jonah. And you know, the moments in your life and my life where we least deserve the grace of God, he still lavishes that grace upon us. And Jonah's reaction is a little bit like a toddler, isn't it? We see this really, really fickle reaction from him, he starts off really angry because he hasn't got what he wanted he didn't get the destruction of the city but then all of a sudden this plant grows up and he becomes very happy again, but then a worm comes along And he gets angry again. It's a little bit like what you do with a toddler, isn't it? When they're crying and crying and crying. So you try to use some sort of distraction technique, and you might wave a chocolate bar in their face and say, would you like some chocolate? And suddenly, their temper tantrum's gone, and all they're thinking about is the chocolate. Once again, Jonah's emotions show us this kind of shifting sands, and Our emotions leave us at times incredibly fickle, don't they? We've seen that unfold so often in our lives over the past couple of years. We've seen that as a church, haven't we? Take the church, for example. I'm sure this is the same for every church going as well back in january 2020 it would have been almost inconceivable for us to close our doors to public worship we would never have thought in a million years that that would happen that we would have to go online but then march 2020 comes around and we're told that we cannot meet together in this way any longer so we quickly shift everything we're doing to online and at first people are quite enthusiastic about that, that we can still gather, we're still together, but it's just a little bit different. But over the course of the coming weeks and months which followed that, online worship became a source of irritation for some. It became a source of separation for others. It became a source of disengagement from the body of Christ in general for others still. And what the story of Jonah teaches us today is that in every aspect of life, in the good, the bad, the ugly and the indifferent, God is still working and he is still showing grace in every aspect. He hasn't forgotten us, he hasn't abandoned us. In the trials and the blessings, God is still there and he's still teaching us and refining us and guiding us. And when we allow anger to become the predominant emotion, we can so easily miss out really on what God has wanting to do In our lives, and what God is trying to teach us in the midst of what we go through. So, let me ask you, church, right now, how are you personally feeling right now? Has life left you bitter? I wonder. Has life left you feeling angry because of missed opportunities and things that you have missed out on and injustices that you've seen come in your life? Has life left you broken? God has not forgotten you. You may not like the situations and the circumstances that you face in your life right now. You may be really struggling to understand what God is doing right now. But in the midst of the trials, there is grace to be found. The third thing that I want us to see from this passage today, that our anger at times can cause us to miss how God wants to show grace and mercy through us to others. Verses 9 to 11. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are a hundred and 20,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Notice the final two words of the book of Jonah are the words of God, where really Jonah's heart and his motivation are laid fully exposed and fully bare. God provides Jonah with some divine counsel. God gently shows Jonah how wrong his attitude has been for this plant and towards the people of Nineveh. He points out to Jonah how absurd the situation that he finds himself in is. He says, you're angry over a plant, but you didn't plant the seeds for this plant. You didn't water this plant. You didn't nurture this plant. You didn't cause it to spring up and to grow. And this is how I feel about the people of Nineveh. I have 120,000 people You can't tell their left hand from their right hand, and there are also many animals. God reminds Jonah once again that he is not in charge, that he was simply the prophet, the messenger. Jonah, throughout this period, has been greatly, greatly used in the story of God, but here's the thing, it's not his story, it's God's story. And with these words, the book of Jonah concludes. We don't know what Jonah's response is to God after this point. We don't know what happened to Jonah after this point. God has the final word in the book of Jonah. My guess, though, is that eventually Jonah got it. The sheer honesty of this text suggests to me that Jonah, at the end, probably got what God was going on about when the book ends but whatever happens after this point one thing is for certain Jonah's anger robbed him of the blessing of what he could have had after preaching in the city of Nineveh he could have been at the very epicenter of revival to see God's blessings up close and personal yet he chose to remove himself because he was angry what is it that is robbing you of your joy right now Like Jonah, so often we allow our circumstances, our unforgiveness, our anger to rob us of the rich grace that God has for us and wants to bestow on us and use us to bestow on others. What is it which has been making you personally angry over this season? What are the things that maybe you have not been able to let go of? Where is God maybe giving you an object lesson in your life right now? As I close, four very brief things that the Bible tells us when it comes to diffusing anger. Number one, be honest and speak. Ephesians 4, verse 15 says, instead, instead, speak the truth in love. You know, we grow together when we learn to speak out the truth in love. Number two, stay current. Ephesians 4 verses 5, 25 to 27 says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger do not sin, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. We must not ever allow what is bothering us in our life to grow so exponentially that we lose control. It's important to deal with the issues that we face before they become a critical mass. Number three, attack the problem and not the person. Ephesians 4 verse 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And finally, if we're going to deal with anger in our lives, we need to learn to act and not to react. Ephesians 4, verse 31 to 32 says this, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ has forgave you. You know, because of our fallen nature, when we get angry in life, when things get too much for us, our natural reaction is a sinful one. We react to the situation, we lash out. Why? Because hurting people hurt people. When we are hurting, our natural reaction is to want to make other people hurt. Whether we say that or not, those are our tendencies. And sometimes what we need to do is to step back, we need to give it to God and refocus and then act. Reaction, when it comes to anger, is often the worst Jonah was incredibly, incredibly angry because he saw what happened to the city of Nineveh and how God was gracious to them and he thought, this isn't on. But you know, God is a just God. God always is a just God. And when we allow that anger into our hearts it doesn't draw us closer to him but it robs us of the joy that he wants to give. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And if you're in the room, I'm going to invite you to stand. And as the bands begin to play, I just want to invite you to take a moment, wherever you are, just to. Reflect really on where you are at right now. What are those things in your life which have caused you to be angry recently? What are those things in your life, I wonder, you've been holding on to? What are those things in your life which have really just been affecting you and not changing the situation? The God that we worship, the God that we serve, is slow to anger and abounding in love. And today, unless the anger that is in your heart is a righteous anger which leads to change, God is calling you to let it go. He's calling you to lay it down. He's calling you to forgive, where forgiveness needs to be given, why? because we don't deserve the mercy and the grace of God yet he's lavished it upon us the Bible tells us that Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light and today he wants you to know the freedom which comes from letting go of those things that maybe have bound you in anger so we're going to sing a a song which reminds us now that God is God he's with us in the fire and the floods his plans are still to prosper and he has not forgotten if there are things that you're struggling to let go of my encouragement to you this morning is during this song to pray about them to give them to God and say God help me today Father God's we can all find ourselves in the position of Jonah at times. We can all find ourselves being unjustly angry when things don't go our way, when circumstances don't happen the way that we have thought and hoped and wanted, when our dreams get broken it can lead to emotions in us which are just not healthy and you never intended us to have so today Father God I pray you do a work of healing here in this room and you do a work of healing online as well for those who are watching that whatever might be binding us and whatever might be getting in the way and blocking us truly walking with you today that Lord we will know your freedom. Have your way, King Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship God together in song, church.